<laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to a very rare, rainyless uh, episode of Modified Roles. So that probably means that this will be pure chaos, and he'll have about seven hours of stuff to edit through to find maybe a half hour worth of a worthwhile episode. But what we're going to be talking about is something near and dear to my heart, which is villains. Yeah, fucking villains. Big bad evils. Also near and dear to my heart. So Gourmand represented. <laughs> <laughs> so because we kind of uh, touch a, a broad spectrum of RPGs in this setting, what is it that defines a villain? I think it's always like just the, the cause of the problem, right? Like in, in RPGs, it's whatever, who's the source of whatever the problem is, whether it's like an individual an organization a, a villain is a force that opposes the pcs usually with some moral negativity involved if say you're playing an evil campaign and the pcs are bad or dark gray individuals you would have antagonists probably opposing them the law paladins good adventurers whatever mm-hmm. i associate yeah. villain specifically with somebody who you would put generally in the moral negative i was i was just gonna say do you think that they need to be morally i don't i don't i don't don't Uh, either if they're a villain i would call them an antagonist if they were not yeah i would i would i would broadly define villains in all of, of storytelling as someone who has goals which would upset the status quo that is accepted as good within that society now, their goals, their motive, that goal may or may not be a, good, a bad thing, right? It just is a bad thing for that society. Because one, one person's villain is another person's hero. Right? And I'll, I'll touch on that a little later when I talk about some of my favorite villains in media. Ooh. But a very good, well-made villain is someone you can look at, understand their motivations, and be like, hey, you know what? He's not entirely wrong. They, they've got a point there. And you know what? Maybe disagree with the method, but he's maybe, not wrong. Maybe maybe they're not wrong, and that is a great villain. Like the meme, he's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was gonna say I would add to that, and I would say like an even better villain is one that can convince you to switch over to their side. Yep. That to me is an even better villain. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't often happen, no. I think, in RPGs, but at least it doesn't mean absolutely. Them, right? Yeah. You can watch a lot of stories where you're like, oh, I, I actually am rooting for them. I've always, yeah. I've rooted for the villains ever since yeah. I was a kid. To be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a general thing. Of course you are. Really Some have. of the most popular characters <laughs> in media are villains. I mean, if you just look at like, say comic books alone, some of the most recognizable names and most notable ones are the villains, the bad guys. Yeah. Because they're usually so much more complex. They're like, fascinating. Yeah. Heroes are usually so bland. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's a good point. So I think to start with villains, villains and, and big bad evil guys, you can, a good rogues gallery of villains for a superhero makes the superhero. And, you know, you think about that with Batman or, or Spider-Man, who have both have very good, big, well-established rogues galleries. Uh, the Flash actually has an excellent one, too. But your better, bigger, more famous superheroes have very well-established, very colorful villains who are very intertwined with them. Especially now yeah. you have, you have, and that's you a have great 60 to... years of history in comics now. Those villains and those heroes. Smallville, are like, where Lex yeah. Luthor's clearly in love with Clark Kent. <laughs> right, right. Lex Luthor's, Lex Luthor's a perfect, Lex Luthor's actually a perfect example of what I was talking about at, at times when he's written well as a perfect sort of villain where you can look at him and be like, here's a guy who is the, who thinks he's the only guy in the world who sees that, hey, this person on the planet is like a god. And yeah, he's doing really good things right now, but they can turn on any any moment on us. And I'm going to take the steps to protect us from him. Hmm. Right? That's kind of like what they did in Marvel. Too, yeah, yeah, that's a very understandable motivation. Uh, but a villain, your villains will make or break your campaign. Yeah, I was going to say that's a great way to look at it for RPGs. It's like your villains are the ones that are making the heroes the heroes, yep. right? You're, you're They're the ones that are making your hero shine for whatever it is that they're doing. So like as a GM, it's kind of your job to kind of set up the heroes to, or set up your PCs to be the contrasts like that. They shine brighter. Yeah. Typically, typically your villains are people who are trying to do things in the world and change it. Uh, And PCs in general within role-playing games are very reactive. 
Mm-hmm. We just, you know, PCs sit around and say, oh, you know, so someone broke in, the goblins broke in and stole the cheese. You got to go back and get the cheese, the cheese in time for the cheese festival, you know, and it's trying to revive the dark Lord. You have to so stop much. them. Right. You don't, you don't go and just, you know, decide to stick the dark Lord deeper into a hole. Someone has to got to try to break him out. Right. So, mm-hmm. so you need those villains to actually do things. That is a catalyst. That's the engine that moves everything forward. Uh, and they have to be hateable. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's get into it. Like, what makes a great villain? One. There are two villains. There's a sympathetic villain, and then there's a villain that is just delicious to hate. Mm -hmm. They're very different characters and very different villains. Uh, I think sometimes there are ones you could love to hate, and and, but you can also kind of understand them in some ways. Love to hate is very different than sympathetic, though. Like, Cersei Lannister is a sympathetic villain, I would say. Yeah. He has admirable qualities. Like, I admire that bitch's tenacity. You cannot keep her down. She's living in a world that's incredibly stacked against her and it's made her vicious and cold and heartless. I understand that. I sympathize with it. Strahd von Zarvich is not sympathetic. He's a, he's a predator. He's a misogynist. He's a sexual predator. He is just an irredeemable abuser. It's what he is. It's at the very core of his nature. He's not sympathetic. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful villain, though, because it's... right. You hate him so much, and when you fight him, I can go on. on. Curse of Strahd's the best D&D campaign. Really? I never <laughs> remember you speaking of that before. I never get tired of the patriarchy, and that and it's is like, an entire... It's like, I almost feel like like that's Amber's good society. I was just going to say, it's, it's Amber gets a strong. We need to get, we need to get, we need to get yeah, vampire music for Amber for this. Just- Rainy, get on it. <laughs> It's so good. I never get tired of smashing the patriarchy, and that's what you do every time you fight Strahd. It's amazing. <laughs> I was I was just gonna say, like, maybe a villain doesn't also always have to be hateable. It could just be they could represent um something that what am I trying to say? They they could represent something that you want to change or or just or, don't want to change. So I think I think to to jump on my favorite true. subject here, uh, if we talk about Call of Cthulhu, uh, your villains aren't villains i i mean if i have if i have something to say about you know a, a knock if if i will uh, on those sorts of games and that sort of that genre of, of cosmic horror is that the bad guy is a big galleon space bomb you can't understand it you can't understand its motivations it just doesn't care about human life you just try to stop it I it's almost gonna, have you seen annihilation mm-hmm. Holy mm. shit, Christian, you need to see okay. Annihilation. The villain, if you can even call it that, is like, it's like that. It's just ununderstandable. Nobody knows what it wants or if it wants. I'll check it out. Just- I'll check it out. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is that I really enjoy villains that are, might necessar- not necessarily be people, but are just maybe evil or not evil, but just a problem by mm. nature, right? It's like in their nature or like a creature, right? They don't have mm-hmm. the, the wear. I was going to say like animal or monsters mm. like that are sometimes like that when they're yeah. like, it's just trying to feed its babies. God's that Godzilla yep. movie, yep. like it just wanted yep. to have its babies, but like yep. it's crushing everything. Yeah, I loved, I loved the Fifth Element mm. where it was just like this so evil much. darkness, yep. right? It was the the villain was just this evil darkness that was inhabiting people's minds and just evil itself, just taking over the universe. Actual and metaphysical. I, I love that that things are by mm. nature. Yeah, that's still hateable. I, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, but, but it's I very just it's a, it's never like a monster that wants to feed its babies, which is not really yeah, hateable, but is. But I wouldn't even say true. it's hateable either, right? Like you hate what's going on, but it's not a person that you're attaching. It's an entity, and I can hate it. That's fair. Yes, That's fair. I I hate the patriarchy. because like I hate the patriarchy yes, yeah, sure. entity too. Sure, but <laughs> if you think about like Eberron and the Delkir, right? Like they're people can hate the Delkir, right? But like but as those a, are different. Then what you the example you're giving is evil itself. Evil is hateable because it's evil. The Delcare are not evil. They're just oh yeah yeah. I was saying both. I was saying both. Right, just evil itself, and also just things that are that might come across as evil, but like it's just in their nature. Right, it's not necessarily evil. It's just whatever their their nature is. Like an animal, like we were like Jaws, right? Jaws would be a great example of of that sort of story. It's a shark. It's eating people. It's a problem. Can't really say it's evil. It's doing what's in its nature. Exactly. Exactly. Also, Jaws. Those ones you can befriend with your local druid. Jaws gave a bad rep for sharks. Sharks are uh, pretty good dudes. Yeah, they are actually. Tiny soapbox over. Pretty good bros. Pretty good (laughs) dudes. They're cool. 
Do you think that a villain has to be particularly complex? Or is it okay if they're like comp- completely simple? No. Strahd is super simple. He's a great villain. He's very simple. But he just has he power and resources. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? But all he has are the, the power and the resources, right? I think it depends on what you want to do with the villain and what you're trying to do plot-wise. Strahd is, Strahd is great not only, in, in, you know, if, as Amber said, he's he's simple. He's got his motivations. He's got what he wants. And he's got his resources. But it still takes a lot to get to him and fight him because he has all those resources. Whereas you could have other villains that are extremely um, complex and have a lot of like weird nuanced motivations to them and it might be easier to get to them but there's still this weird like do we do this do Mm -hmm. we defeat them where's that line both are great villains but just for completely different reasons and for different styles of games like the more complex your villain is the more likely they are to adapt to your Mm -hmm. pcs whereas if you have a very simple straightforward villain they're not going to be adaptive the pcs are going to figure out how to take them down and apply Mm -hmm. it that's a shorter game, yeah. usually. Yeah, that's that, and that's a good point. Is depends on what you the role you want your villain to play in your game, uh, and there are different sorts of roles. There are villains you just set up to take an ass kicking. Uh, after three or four sessions, they do some bad stuff. They get killed or you know beaten, and that's the end of them. They're never seen again. And there are villains you want to have around for a while. Uh, and if you want them to stick around for a while, I think more complex is better. Uh, but I don't think you necessarily have to start there. I think you can just start with. You know, people who who are who people or things or forces that oppose your players, uh, and then pick and choose what people hate, and choose to develop that more, and and that goes back to you know I'll, I'll use an example from comic books on that. If you read some of the very early comic books, like the ones that you know Stanley started writing in the '60s when he began the Marvel Universe, a lot of the really heavyweight villains were ridiculously one-dimensional, you know. Dr. Doom was just like, I like to do stuff because I'm evil. Wah, ha, ha, ha. You know, and, and it's dumb. Literally in the name. Right. It's really dumb, you know. But uh, over time, what happened is they just, they developed them and they developed them and they developed them more and more and more to where now Doom is a very, very complex character. Extremely complex. And so you can start out, you know, take that and apply it to your campaign, you know, in your first level. And then it's like some, you know, guy that they decide they don't like some little wizard you know maybe he's like the little fifth level wizard that's in charge of like the goblins who's kind of an underling of the organization but over time he grows in the organization it becomes more complex as the characters become more complex and there's a great foil for them throughout the entire campaign and he grows with them so as they grow and change so does he or they it's also um a relation what you're talking about how the evolution of the villain reminded me that um there's a relationship, usually, some things defy it, obviously, between power and relatability with villains. Like, the more powerful your villain is, the less likely they are going to be relatable or interesting or complex in a human way, which is why you have a character like the dragon. Like, Palpatine is not a character. Palpatine has no, yeah, has nothing to him. He's just yep. evil. Vader the dragon is a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing, like, think of uh, the Carrion Crown campaign in Pathfinder. Like, the Whispering Tyrant is a godlike power we don't it's he's not human he's not complex he's not interesting because of that vastness of his power we have like the leaders of his cult and whatnot who are very human and join the cult for reasons um and they're more complex in that way it's almost like if you think like paradise lost like the more powerful like god is completely ununderstandable we can't understand anything about him which is why everybody likes the devil Yeah, the fallen, and and I think that's a good that's a good example when you're writing. I know for when, when I'm writing, uh, I'll call it Cthulhu scenarios. Um, my favorite villains are the bad guys. Are always the ones I, I'm always more interested in, like the human element and how it interacts with that unknowable, you know. And so one, and the person who decides to serve, right? It. And, and, and one of the yeah. examples, one of the ones that is, is available now. In the drive-through RPG bundle for reproductive rights, my scenario, Sins of Saints and Era, uh, yes. involves uh, a character who kind of grew up in a cult uh, because it was his birthright, and the cult led him to do some stuff that he didn't want to do, and so now he's he's a very conflicted villain because yes, he's a part of this. Yes, he grew up in this part of you know alien Cthulhu-esque thing. Uh, and it's been all he knows and it's given him a lot of power, but also his human element is, is, is conflicting with the inhuman element. 
the villains who keep digging, who realize partway through after they've committed everything that something is wrong. And then they have to make that choice where they either do like a heel turn and they become an anti-hero or they keep fucking digging. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's like that in those scenarios where you have that sort of, you know, cosmic, cosmic entity level stuff. Amber's absolutely right. The people who interact with it are much more interesting. If you look at even like going back to D&D and the Forgotten Realms, right? One of my favorite Forgotten Realms villains is Zul Shembrel, High Priest of Bane. Zool. I love Zool. Zass is cool, but Zool is cool because he's got the badass mustache. Oh, okay. It's the stash <laughs> that does it. Automatic. automatic like, has gross, creepy, withered lit Zool, Zool got the stash, though. He's got like the Marv mustache. <laughs> I was just going to say like Marv. Marv. <laughs> now, if I ever play, if we ever play that, Zool absolutely has Marv's voice. He's going to be like, hey, Bane, like the Dark oh, Lord, no. you know what I'm saying? But, but it's no, like but Bane, Bane is just like, you know, hey, b- hey, I'm the big evil guy who wants to dominate everybody. But Zul's more interesting because he's the human face of that. And he's making that happen at the ground level. And that's what's interesting because he's going to run into human motivations. He's going to want things. He might have some good in him that he has to like stomp out or, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? That's a good that's a good point. And that's one of the, the points Rainy had for us here is that you have to make sure that your villain has some sort of motivation that is both understand not not understandable, but like yeah, able to be comprehensible. Comprehensible, correct. And we, you know, people love those stories because you think about movies like Taxi Driver, uh, or um, yeah, you never saw it, of course. You should see it. Uh, <laughs> that was like Taxi, Taxi Driver is a great fucking movie. Go see it. Um, when did that come when, out? Doesn't Kristen? matter when it came out. It's still. Yeah, when did it's it come in the out, 70s. Kristen? It's How before. You it is before me. Now? Okay, so fuck all of you. It is still a great. movie. Just because it was before <laughs> I was before born, you. it is still a great movie. Okay. Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah, way before. Well, not way before me, but it was before me. <laughs> uh, or the Joker. It's a more current. That was a movie that borrowed a lot of themes from from Taxi Driver. Do we do we know the Joker's motivation? Well, in that I'm film, not a huge fan of the Joker. Film. He's been appropriated by like I like, don't even know what the disgruntled fuckboys, and I don't like oh. it. <laughs> so let's talk about poison <laughs> ivy instead. Yeah, see, that's better. poison ivy is an environmental scientist who's pissed off at okay. the world. She's great. I love you her. can already see. She's not wrong. Yeah, she's not <laughs> Yeah, she's wrong. not wrong at all. She has every right to be pissed off as someone who loves and understands, and on for her, on such a deeper level than everyone else, what the environment needs and is feeling. Um, but people just keep fucking up the world. And no they're one's- They're not going to change. They're not yeah. going to change. They're not going to listen to her, likely because she's a woman in a STEM field, which is, you know, especially- from that when she was first introduced, like people are not going to yeah. take women in yeah. STEM seriously, and so she's like, "Fine, I will do what I have to to get you to fucking listen to me." Yep, yep. And that's another point that Rainy made is that some of the best villains think that they're doing what's right, or are doing what's right. It makes right. sense to them. In that, I think that's even are. better. Some of them. Are. That's good point. That's a good point. Could be like, oh, good point. I can't be mad at Poison Ivy yeah. most of the time. I really. But she's become, be. and because of that, she's become an antihero now yes because she's not she's no longer just a right oh she's bad yeah she's not just a hot redhead in a tiny green outfit she's oh this woman's fucking smart and knows what she wants and how to do it Mm -hmm. so i guess my other question is how do you go about revealing a villain in your story that's something that i always kind of struggle with when i'm especially when i'm doing like a homebrew villain right is how do i slowly go about revealing that understanding and motivation of the villain without having to like get to the big bad and just like soliloquy and monologue for like it's hard to, that's really hard own, to do right uh you have to kind of in my opinion just give clues that your players will pick up on and and kind of piece you it do together. kind of have to plan yeah, it out like i like I, I go back a lot to the superhero campaign we have but it was one of the greatest moments i think when you guys when you guys like the lights all went on with with the the CEO of the company when he was you know so Arcan they, Cole, yeah Arcan Cole where they were they were you know all the while trying to figure out like what is what is going on there's these nanites that are showing up they gave the player characters permanent superpowers but someone was creating like a drug and an inhaler that would make temporary ones to, for people and they were selling it on the street as a drug and they traced that back and they found 
you know, connections to this big company that had just moved into the town and this Arcan Cole's the CEO and they're giving these big human resource events and they had like a, a, a corporate superhero, Solar Man. And um, he was, they, they put it together at a scene where he was dedicating a new children's hospital. And I just remember Mandy, one of the players in our game, shout out to Mandy again, she loves getting shouted out of this, who was like, this motherfucker is experimenting on children. And right there, like they got it, it all came together and they hated him, you know, and it just worked out perfectly. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, to me, that's what makes a great kind of villain story in RPGs at least is if the players can figure out the motivation and figure out like what is going on before someone else is telling them like the history or the backstory or the motivation of the big bad, whether it's the person themselves or like someone, some other NPC in the story. If the players are able to figure it out from what's happening in the story, that to me is a better villain story. Yeah. So I think you just, you'd be very generous with the, the the clues you leave lead you leave that lead them there to that place, you know, uh, and just hope that they pick up on them. Another method is you can also make the players participate mm. like in the, in the villain's own, like, like put the players on their side, like basically um, still opposing the villain, but, su- but suddenly involved in the same thing that motivates the villain having very strong feelings about it, the, the injustice or whatever the villain is responding to. Put them on the same side, but they can't be on the same side because they're opposed to the method. Like, make that's, them understand. That's make just heartless, Amber. <laughs> no, it's not. I think I'm a huge fan of. I'm a huge fan of, and I think there's not enough in RPGs. Although it's starting to have some more of it. A lot of RPGs set up the villain as you know, you get to the lowest level of dungeon, and there's the wizard, and you oh, kill him. Yeah, and he's the bad guy, and you never know what he's. You know, if you don't, you don't pay attention. It's it's just like a video game. You just go and you kill the guy because you were told to kill him. And there's not enough interaction with the villain as a character. Okay. Because it's a very hard thing. It's a very, I understand it's a very. You can interact with their circumstances. You can, but it's it's a very hard thing to pull off because you always, you have to worry about your players. What if your players just kill them? Yeah. You know, and players will do that. But if you can pull that off, it's a great thing. If you can do it in a situation where they can't attack him, even though they want to, like it's a state event or he has diplomatic immunity, <laughs> or it's in a public place, and if there's a fight, a lot of innocents will die, or whatever. Or you need or you, Which is the him. best one ever, <laughs> is you need something from him, so you can't. Now you have to work with him. I was just going to say that that's like one of the things that I hate about pre-run adventures is that when you're reading these pre-run adventures, there's just so much background on their motivation and like why they're doing this. But then there's like most of the time, there's like never a way for me to introduce this Mm -hmm. information in, right? I'm like, great. I'm reading this whole personal history of this villain, but like I can't – like I need to figure out how to drop this in to the story, you know? That's all I was going to say. But I love that idea, Amber, of like circumstance, right? Of interacting with the villains. I have a perfect example. Rise of the Rune Lords, Nualia. Nualia's got a very fleshed, Nualia's a very sympathetic villain, I say. She's got a very detailed and fleshed out background and history and motive for everything that she's doing that's very hard for the PCs to understand because it's hard to get that information from her. You only encounter her if things go right once during the fight where you probably kill her. So the like, and this is one of the fail, one of the shortcomings of Rise of the Rune Lords. They could have, they could have given you some DM sidebars to to encourage you to do this. But everything is set up if you can take the creative leap and decide to like pick a PC or two PCs who don't quite fit in and make them a victim of everything Nualia was at the hands of Sandpoint. Give them the the shitty the shitty religious uh, villagers who are trying to rub their sores to get healed on them or the equivalent like make them a victim of that mentality of that you don't fit in here and everybody either wants something from you or rejects you have them deal with that for the whole adventure the same characters even that Nualia dealt with and then before you know it you're looking at the villain and you're looking into Mm -hmm. a mirror that's really cool have somebody flirt with them and love them and make them promises and then abandon them Wait, explain Noalia a little bit more. I don't know if like everyone knows like what her Noalia is an Asimar who grew up in the small village of Sandpoint. And because she's an Asimar, she's different. She stood out. She's she's very beautiful. People some people tried to like 
cut pieces of her hair off of her and like like steal bits of her clothes rub sores on her because they thought like she's has this angelic blood she could like heal them they treated her horribly and no one ever gave her like any genuine um affection or experience so when this suave charming dude came along and paid attention to her and told her that he loved her and he was going to take her away from this place like she she fell head over heels it was everything she's always wanted Ooh. never gotten he knocked her up he abandoned her and um she Amber, lost- is that your microphone what you're like is slapping that your, is that your microphone? someone's microphone i am sorry i'm using <laughs> my microphone hey abandoned her I was like, um she lost the child hmm. And uh, after all that, she decided, like, fuck this place and all these people. <laughs> and uh, she converted to the worship of Lamash, mm-hmm. too, the mother of monsters, um, which ties in very closely to her own experience as almost a mother. <laughs> um, gotcha. So so make it so that the PCs kind of yeah. feel the same pain or go through the same experience. And we never knew that. I, like, the thing, whatever that. the thing that they are fighting against that motivates the villain, yeah. like give the PC the same motivation. Similar story. <laughs> make it relatable to them. Yeah, no, that's great. Make them understand. That's a great That's a really great tip. So then kind of going off of that vein, what – what advice would you give for role-playing villains? Because, you know, with with there being a million different kinds of villains, are there any universal things you say would cover a lot of them in terms of how to play them? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that. I do. Smart. Stupid villains are awful. When they make all the obvious choices, all the worst mistakes, like, make your villains smart. Yeah. Like, And it's hard not to pull your punches when you're tormenting your D&D group sometimes, but... Sometimes you gotta kill a bitch. <laughs> Make sure in your session zero, like it's established that this might happen, but like fucking hurt them. Take shit away from I them. I think you you can hurt them. Yeah, hit them where it hurts and don't pull punches are two best advice, pieces of advice you can have. Don't do that constantly. No, save, save it for a big yep. point. If you do it constantly, they're gonna, PCs are gonna shut yeah, down. Yeah, because it just becomes like, you know. When it counts, when it matters, do it. Go for the throat. <laughs> I mean, I I like what Christian was saying, kind of going back about um, humanizing them and just playing them more normal, making them kind of more normal. Yeah, look very much for uh, opportunities for role play where people can, you know, your players can meet your villain outside of the normal venue of combat in a dungeon or combat somewhere or fighting their forces when they're trying to do look for look for a place where they can meet either on neutral territory because they have to or or in a situation where they're just going to interact with each other as people in the same space and you know give and they have their opportunity to express their views right to each other especially because the villain give the player the villain the opportunity to express his views and that's how you get around the monologue thing at the end jess is if the, if you've had that uh, a little yeah. bit on and on and on, you know, with like, think about Darth Vader. Like if you only knew the, the power of the dark side and he's kind of talking about, you know, what he went through to Luke. And it's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. It's not just this big, like, you know, devilish kind of like monologue at the end in the Death Star. The story would have not been as good had it been that, right? Mm-hmm. Players also really love their characters, generally speaking. Like if you're doing things well and you're involved in an involved group, like they love their characters. So if you create a relationship between the villain and one of these PCs in a way that the villain likes and admires something about the PCs that the player likes and admires about their own PC and you express that, they're going to love that shit. They're going to love the flattery. They're going to love the attention. They're going to love the acknowledgement of their, their skills, their competence, all of these things, but you're still on opposite sides and then you might have a situation where like you might be converting a PC. There might be hard choices. The group might have to pull them back. So that actually- So you can look for a way where like the villain not just wants to corrupt a PC. That's that's too easy to resist, but genuinely likes one of them or admires something about them and can express that. That was something that was actually starting to happen to one of my old characters. Unfortunately, uh, as a lot of D&D things go, uh, schedules happen. So we had to kind of drop the campaign, but- I had a uh, the greatest villain right. of all. Scheduling. Oh, it's like scheduling. Um, but I had a the one time I played a wizard in D anD D, the party essentially stumbled upon a lich in their lair and decided to go diplomatic. 
my character was automatically very interested because obviously they're a lich, they've got a lot of knowledge. And the lich picked up on her interests and they discovered they actually had very similar academic and magical interests. And they um, shut out Christian. Yeah, obviously I talked to the villain. It's what I do. Which is great though. And, and that is something it. that I admire about you because it's made a lot of the games that I run for you so much easier. Because I'm like, well, Sarah's yeah. at least going to give them give the villain a chance to say his piece before they just like blow him away. I, yeah. I love talking to the villains because you, you get so many fascinating interactions. Like with this one, we our party kind of ended with a temporary truce with him. Uh, but if it had continued, there was a very good chance that he could have taken her and she might have let him not try to corrupt her, but in a way of like in that genuine, like you and I could do some really good things together, but that yeah, give him a choice. That's actually hard to make. Like I'm not being forced to be corrupted. Like, do you want this? Yeah. And make that like where the piece where the player and character pause. And they're like, do I want this? <laughs> yeah. No one likes when I talk to the villains. Why? What happens? <laughs> Everyone just gets upset. <laughs> just does things like, I'll feed the party to the giant spider if it agrees to stop eating the children. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why they get upset. Because it was going to eat the party and then it was going to keep eating the children. <laughs> it was going to be fine. I had a plan. <laughs> Terrible plans. We could do a whole session on Jess's terrible plans. I'll come up with a list for y'all. <laughs> what not to do. <laughs> so that... Um, All right. Go oh, no, I was just going to say, kind of... Because we've been giving a lot of examples through this, but are there favorite villains uh, that you guys have either played or uh, dealt with in media? Because that way we can kind of give a broader range of examples. Cersei Lannister. I love her. Strahd. I love him for the exact opposite reason. <laughs> um, Nuali is a great RPG villain. I really like her too. Um, I actually like hate most comic book villains. I don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> I have a contentious relationship with comic book and Marvel stuff. Um, let me see. What else have we got here? Oh, villains I've played. I <laughs> villains I've played. Oh no. Uh, I'm the rogue in my writing group Curse of Strahd game. And I have been on a long dark road to ruin pursuing revenge. And I am uh, I've I appear to have joined Strahd's side and I have murdered several of my fellow PCs, but I have a plan. <laughs> I'm not actually on Strahd's side, I'm on my side, which is still not on the party side. So uh tonight's the grand finale in theory, and we will see if they kill me or if I get away with it. <laughs> but she is wonderful. And the paladin was begging her not to do this because he loves her last session. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's so good. And this, and this, this is my favorite villain that I've ever played villain. She's not really. Yeah. Villain kind of, she is trying to, She's trying to tell the big bad evil guy. Yeah, but to take his place. He's trying to become the new Dark Lord of Barovia. Oh, yeah. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, You know, for favorite villains, I don't really have anything particular in mind. Uh, I mean, this might be telling, but I usually usually like two types of villains. I really like villains that – there's something going on, either like some mass plague or some corruption or some evil thing taking over and someone who's kind of taking advantage that of that, right? Hmm. Like kind of commercializing that or utilizing that to get farther or accomplish something. Um, ah, or, your corporation villain taking advantage uh, of COVID, record profits. <laughs> things like that, yeah. And I also really like uh, villains who are trying to purge people genocidal villains <laughs> like a lot of villains that are dangerously close to hitler i'm i'm a big fan say. of those yeah i'm a big fan of those yeah i can't think of any in particular but um for the for i thought of two that are kind of two sides of one coin kind of taking a little sidestep from all these i'm gonna talk about video game characters hmm. uh so from the games pokemon black and white and harmonia and getsis uh, the leaders of Team Plasma are fantastic villains. For those of you that have not played the game, uh, Team Plasma is the general evil team of those games. And basically their whole message is 
They're, think of it like Pokemon PETA, where they're trying to liberate Pokemon from being trained by people and should just let them live in the wild. It's very fascinating, right? So N is the kind of the, like, one of the, the faces of Team Plasma. He is very, he's like an environmentalist. He loves Pokemon. He thinks they are fascinating creatures. And even in the gameplay, you see, because obviously you have to battle him, he never uses the same team twice. And all of the Pokemon that he uses are ones you can find in that area. Which means that, essentially, he has asked these local wild Pokemon to help him for this fight, and then has set them free. He literally lives by the motto he vocalizes for. Getsis is En's father. Getsis also preaches the same thing. But his whole thing is he wants to take, I don't remember his whole thing, but basically he he thinks Pokemon <laughs> are better than people, kind of wants to take over the world kind of a deal, whole thing, but he is using this front of Pokemon liberation and using N to kind of create this front of goodness for the world. And this also shows statistically in the game, uh, Pokemon have a friendship stat and there is a move called frustration that deals more damage the uh, less the Pokemon likes the user. He has a Pokemon that has that move at maxed out damage. So his Pokemon literally fucking hate him. So like the, the two of them are fantastic examples of villains who fit into the same organization but are going about it for completely different reasons. Sarah, your Pokemon villain has made me think of something that I also like in, in villains in general and it's when the villain exists as a deconstructive force within the genre world. So that's like, um, think of like the boys, fucking oh um, Homelander. Fuck Homelander is a, he is a deconstruction yeah. of the he superhero is. genre. He is what Superman actually would be in this world and the corporatization of it and the sociopathic tendencies that come with like privilege of being just white and rich and powerful and never having to pay for anything that you do. So like, I like villains like that too, that exist within a larger context and like, they mm. deconstruct something within the genre world and actually like carry it out farther and apply like an aggressive logic that pulls apart the fantasy of it. Ductio ad absurdum. Um, Which is like your, your villains, Sarah. Like they're like Pokemon is an, is like a Pokemon. It's like an animal fight club. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and like, the, and like these villains acknowledge that they deconstruct it. They're like, actually, if we just looked at what it actually was, it would be dog baiting. Which <laughs> is hilarious because this is also the generation of games where actual PETA made a Pokemon parody game and calling it out even further, but like taking it way too far. There was like some really graphic images of like oh. bloodied and beat up Pokemon. I'm sure it's still on the internet somewhere, but like, yeah, they literally went like, oh look, they have our idea and then just went too far with it. Fuck PETA. You know what? They are a real-life villain. They advertise themselves as people for the ethical treatment of animals, but then they're like, they do a lot of euthanizing, and they, they fucking, they're just bad people. They, like, say they're for the right thing, but they're just shitty. They take things way too far. There are ethical ways for animals and humans to live together, and PETA's just like, no, fuck that, you're awful. The villain where they say they have a motive and you look at them and you're like, that is yes, Absolutely. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard stance I'll take. Sue yeah. me, PETA. Fuck what you. Do? Oh, I hope they protest us. Oh my God. Can you imagine if we got oh, protested by PETA? I will create a role-playing game. We'll just, we'll just, I'll just fucking kill a thousand animals in oh, our next game. Is good a thousand imaginary animals <laughs> will die. Um <laughs> Yep. Yeah, question. Any yes. Favorite uh, interestingly, on Amber's like thing about deconstruction villains, one of my favorite films of all time is Unforgiven, which is a Clint Eastwood movie, uh, and it's a deconstruction of the Western. And mm. the villain in it, and the shitty racism, uh, shit in more it, about like the violence and the and the, like the black hats and the white hats and, and like gunfighters and that sort of shit. But yeah, but also oh, also misogyny yeah. and all all that shit too. Uh, but um, Gene Hackman plays plays the sheriff, little Bill Daggett, in it, and he's the villain uh, to Clint Eastwood's William Money, who's like the washed up drunk gunfighter, who is the hero, but not really. Uh, and nobody's really a hero in this. Nobody's really a villain, but little Bill uh, is a fantastic villain because he deconstructs the idea of the sheriff. 
uh, as the good guy in the Western because he's not a good guy uh, at all. So Little Bill is a great one. Uh, I'm also going to say something about comics. Uh, Dr. Doom is a great villain uh, in a more traditional sense. Uh, he's a great example of lawful evil, I think, because Doom keeps his word. Doom has very complex relationships with his villain, with his antagonist, the Fantastic Four. Uh, and Doom is like loved in Latveria, which is a nation that he rules. So the world hates Doom, but his nation loves him because Doom provides. I was going to say, I love the idea of like villains. I mean, we've kind of talked about villains being like understandable, right? And relatable and that they have a cause that is maybe worth fighting for and they might be on the right. I also like it when they have people. Depending who are, on them. Yeah. They're loyal to. Yeah. Do they're loyal to. Yeah. Yep. And are loyal yeah, to them. Villains should never be a solo operation. Nope. Whether it's, you know, a, a main big bad with a bunch of henchmen or a group or an organization. Um, I am always a fan of villainous duos. Um, not necessarily couples, could be family in, in my home campaign. We have a evil brother-sister pair that's been showing up throughout the story to try and get, like, capture a couple of the characters uh, that have just been popping up. And they complement each other so well in terms of abilities and personality. Um, so villains should always have other people to work off of. Even if they're not always together, having that interaction um, not only uh, makes them more human, but uh, um, mm -hmm. makes them more complex and deep. Yeah, I think it's a great thing if, like, like you said, there's a couple. Like, if there's, if you could show, all right, this person's, you know, a villain. They have these horrible goals, but hey, guess what? They're in love. You know, in a real life example, of that is, is something that's really strange and can be very uncomfortable to read. Is like the love letters that were written between like the Nazis who were in charge of the concentration camps and their spouses. If you've ever, they're available online, you can find them. And it's just like, oh, darling, I love you so much. And meanwhile, this guy's in charge of carrying out genocide. Yeah. 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 Are there, um... yeah. yeah, on that okay, note. Yes, I think we covered. Rainy wrote down one last point that I want to touch on that I think oh. is really important. Okay. Some villains are evil by necessity and may deserve redemption. Pure evil villains do not destroy them. I am someone, and I will admit this, who has tried to redeem a number of villains. Oh. <laughs> Listen, that's not my surprising. alignment has been described as chaotic friendly. If I can befriend something, Aww. I will. I'm bad at it in real life, but I'm good at it in D&D &D and RPGs. So I run with it, right? I love a redemption arc. I live for a redemption arc. There are some things I will not redeem. <laughs> and there are some things that do not reserve, deserve redemption. So kill it. With fire. We in, in actually, speaking of kill it with fire... In my home D&D game that lasted for five, six years, my best friend, hi Mandy, talking about you again, uh, <laughs> my best friend, it's almost as if I only have like three RPG groups I play with and this is one, but, uh, so her character was a dryad. She was cursed to be a dryad and then cursed to be in the mortal realm away from the Feywilds. We found the man who cursed her. And he offered all of these things to try and, you know, oh, you let me go, I'll give you X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D. And she started gathering wood. And we had him tied up and she started putting it into a pile around him. And the phrase she had been saying from the beginning of the campaign is traitors burn. Mm-hmm. In our party, we had a lawful good fighter, and she just looked at him and said, turn around. And he did, and we burned the villain alive because he did not deserve redemption. And none of us were, we all knew, like, we're not stopping this. This is someone that is pure evil. And it was extremely satisfying, but that was one where even the character that was lawful good knew, like, this is not someone you can redeem. And it was extremely satisfying. Just as satisfying as redeeming something. 
I was going to say, too, like, how often does that happen, though, that, like, villains are actually redeemed in an RPG? Probably very rarely. Probably not often. Probably, yeah. I was like, probably often a lot with Sarah, but, like... <laughs> not as much as you, you know? think. My track record is not that great, man. <laughs> and, but, I, but I love that. I think that's such... That could be such a great story and great potential. Like, I think it's so quick in RPGs that people automatically jump to, like, oh, this is the villain. We kill them. Oh, we destroy them we end them but like the idea of like rehabilitating them yeah but i, I agree it, it is but i agree with me. what what sarah says some of them are aren't like i'll give you an example mm-hmm. of like you know the fi- sure. my favorite villain i ever wrote okay uh and he's available on shuggoth.net which is a plugging myself again uh oh my God. no which is free it's free it's totally free no nope. uh which is um william hold on a minute. what is i was look i looked it up earlier because i couldn't remember his name Elliot Montgomery Esquire. Okay. And Elliot Montgomery is a Victorian guy who lives in like kind of like the shitty part of London. And his whole thing is he finds poor families and with kids. And he's like, oh, I'm looking for, you know, I have, I have, I, arrange situations for kids, uh, you know, that they can go and they can work on uh, this Lord or lady's estate and it's going to be great for them. And, you know, they'll grow up there as a companion for their children and, you know, take your child out of this life of poverty, blah, 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 blah. Right. Pays them off. And the kids are taken as sacrifices for a cult. Fuck Elliot Montgomery. He doesn't deserve to ever be no. redeemed. No. He sucks. Uh, but yeah. he's, he's my favorite villain. I think I ever wrote because he's just so there's no magic there's no grand plot there's nothing he's just a shitbag of a human being and, and he's just yeah, he's awful say. and and in, and he's and he's you can understand it because he's just doing it for like pure profit it is gross you know yeah. so yeah so yeah don't redeem those people Fuck it's, those it's people. true there yeah. that's true there are some actions that are just yeah, and i remember i remember when i wrote it i felt bad that i had written him and I said, I sent it in and then the editor was like, oh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like it either. And he's like, no, no, this is like the greatest off, most awful thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, I know I feel the same way. It sucks. It hurts. It me was so awful bad. that I wrote it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he's great because, you know, when I, if I ever break him out in a game, I'm going to hope that people torture him to death because he deserves it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What is it that you guys, I mean, he's like an mm-hmm. awful person, right? But what is it that Rainy always says, like, or was it Sarah or Rainy? I forget. It, when you're like creating your character's PCs, mm-hmm. like, give me knives, right? Give give me knives for the villain to kind of use mm-hmm. or the story or situation to use yeah. that will hurt them. So don't pull your punches, make a... Yeah. And, but I also think that's, you just made a good point. Of- Within... Right, limits of safety right, obviously. right, right. But. right. It's easy to <laughs> but, go way too far with that too. But too uh, I think that giving yeah. connections to PCs, if, if you're going to play a longer game with a villain is a great thing too. One of the favorite villains I love to hate in a game that I played in for a very long time was Justice Merchant, who was in the court of the Lord that my character was a part of. And I couldn't, I was a fighter and I was good at like beating the crap out of things. And he was a merchant and he wielded economic power. And he just didn't like my character. We didn't get along. And I couldn't I couldn't interact with him in the way I'm used to, which was just kicking the shit out of him. Uh, so I hated him, you know, and he'd always like one up me or undermine me or like character and like truly just consistently. He was an antagonist. Yeah. He was an antagonist, time. right? He wasn't necessarily a <laughs> villain. He didn't have these like grand evil schemes, but he was just a dick. <laughs> and he hated my character yep. and he had it out for him in a very petty kind of social way to make himself yep. look better and just frustrated him at every turn. And I, God, I hated that guy. Yeah. Did he have, a, did he come to like a, no, the campaign kind of ended and you know, so, oh, yeah, but, yeah. no yeah. resolution. Well, are there any last remarks we want to make about villains? I think we're good. I think we did a good job. I think we're good. God, the yeah. way I said that. Or a you know, bad I'm job. Make a, the, oh my, the way I said that, everyone go listen to We Are Number One from Lazy Town. Stuck in your head now. Congrats. Did neither of you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm just, even if I did, I'm not going to, because I talked about Taxi Driver and you guys are like, when was that movie made? 1902. So <laughs> fuck no, you guys. All right. I'm doing, I'm doing it, the Sarah. same thing you are, but I'm <laughs> underaging myself. No, it, it's a good meme and a good villain song from both weird children's tv show but anyway uh, uh i guess this week uh thank you for 
listening to this week's episode of Modified Roles for not having Rainy, it was surprisingly not as chaotic as we were all concerned about. I did pretty you know, good. I'm not as sorry about this one as I normally would be, so I'll take it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm usually not sorry about Modified Roles. I shouldn't say that. It's just our streams. <laughs> Which we will have <laughs> yeah, this weekend. Well, actually, yeah, this the same day that this airs will be Invisible Sun. Yeah, that's right. Tonight, tonight, hey. tonight, we'll be streaming Invisible Sun as you listen to this. If you listen to it on the day it comes out, at Twitch. And there'll be all sorts of fuckery. And I will DMs after dark. And I will say that the villains that I have created for Invisible Sun are among my favorite villains that I have ever created for it. <gasps> I'm so excited, y'all. Yep. I'm, I'm so very excited. excited. Especially with how fucking different this whole group of characters is. Oh, God, this will be mm. fun. But anyway, you can follow us on all of the social medias at DMs After Dark. Email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We stream every other Friday at 6.30-ish EST at twitch.tv slash dmsafterdark. You can listen to it there on our YouTube channel or the audio versions here on whatever podcast app you enjoy listening to us on. We're on all of them worth their salt. And we will uh, see you next time. And until then, stay evil, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>